Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It ain't the left side or the right side. And it must be the fin side. It ain't the left side. Good morning, Dolphins fans. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Brian Cat at NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. This is the first weekend without football of any kind. No Dolphins games, no playoffs, no Super Bowl, no Senior Bowl. We've hit a little bit of a dry patch here in February. God, I hate this month. Uh, the, the cold, the no football, it all sucks. But um, we're going to take a look here at the uh, Dolphins offense here today and really just a high level offensive overview of what we would prefer that, that the Dolphins do here in the off season. They've got a lot of money to play with. They've got draft picks to use. Um, so Paul, taking a look at it though, it all comes down to what happens with Tua this year. Um, you know, he's entering his second year. Obviously there's been a lot of talk about him here in the off season. So my question to you is, what do you think an appropriate stat line would be for Tua Tungavailoa uh, in, in year two that makes you think, okay, this offense is on the right track? So the scary thing with Tua is because of his touchdown interception ratio this year, you know, you really can't do what you normally would with a rookie quarterback and say, all right, he needs to really cut that down and, and, and have a better touchdown interception ratio. Um, for me personally, some of it's going to depend on what they do at the receiving position this offseason, but I'd really like to see at least 18 touchdowns out of him combined. It could be rushing, it could be passing, at least, and probably at least 3,800 yards. I mean, I'd like to see more, but I'd like to see at least those numbers with six or less interceptions. Yeah, I we're close on the yardage as far as what, I, what I'd like to see have him him do this year um i would say for me it would be uh, the, the bar i'll set is four thousand yards passing which would be according to last year's stats would be 13th in the nfl um 26 touchdowns which would have been 16th in the nfl last year and 11 interceptions if, if you have a 26 touchdown to 11 interception ratio that is where i would say that now Tua is among let's say the top 15 quarterbacks in the NFL and he's only in his second year, we're on the right track offensively. Um, and also too, I mean, I think a playoff appearance is, is important for two and the rest of the offense too, because this defense, I'm, you know, I, I would argue that they were a top three defense last year. I would be very disappointed if they weren't, weren't a top five or top 10 defense this year. So the offense certainly needs to, to pull its weight here and two has got to be the one driving that. He does, and, you know, I, that's the biggest thing. I, I want to see him get in those situations where you don't try to take him out of games. Um, you know, some of that's going to depend upon who his backup is, um, you know, and, and a number of other things there. So, really, I'd like to see the stat line, the playoff thing, as we saw this year. I think the Dolphins had a successful season. They got kind of a little hosed on the playoffs, and... I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tear them to shreds for that. I mean, anytime you go ten and six or better, I'm okay with that. And, and the other chips fall where they may. Yeah, ten and six. If you had told me before the year that that's what they were gonna do, that I I would have said that was a successful year. You, you did. Yeah, yeah, I did. Uh, oh yeah, you did. I, I said seven and nine. I said uh, they they may and maybe they sneak into the playoffs if uh, the offensive line plays. Play is better than I think, which which they did. But I'll I'll, I'll stay. I, I I thought they'd won seven games last year. I'm not going to make a prediction yet for this coming year because uh, there's still a lot of work to do. Um, some main points here too: the salary cap, the NFL salary cap, should be set between 180 and 181, according to recent reports. The Dolphins have 23 and if if or excuse me, if it's at 
181. The Dolphins would head into the offseason with 23 and a half million in cap space, but an additional 15.4 million in rollover from last year, bringing that total there, if my math skills are right, to right under 39 million. And if you also factor in, um, we expect a few players to get cut, not many, but like Alan Hearns, Clayton Fedulum, that number should be north of 40 million in cap space. On the other hand, the Dolphins will probably need to save about 8 million in cap room. And in addition to that, they, yeah, so 8 million in cap room uh, for the draft. And they also have four free agents after the 2022 season, um, or after the 2021 season, excuse me. Uh, Mike Kosicki, Emmanuel Agba, Jerome Baker, and Jason Sanders. Paul, so, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see where kind of that money gets spread out even before free agency hits. Yeah, I think they're going to end up re-signing at least a couple of those guys here uh, during the offseason. I think it's going to depend on what the demands are. Um, you know, I, I'd really, really like to see Baker and the Colonel back. I want to see Gasicki back. And, you know, it, it's uh, – it'll be interesting because I want to see Miami start being homegrown, especially with the accumulation of draft picks that they've got going on. I would look at these guys here, and if I had to throw some numbers out, I, I would say – and, Paul, you let me know if you agree or disagree with it. I would say um, $9 million a year for Gasicki. Okay. 11 million for Agba. Okay. Uh, let's go 8 million for Jerome Baker and 4 million for Jason Sanders. I think that's what it would take to extend them if I had to guess. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you on that. I, the only one, yeah, I mean, I would still, I would still extend Gasicki. I've been, and my only hesitation was if, if Kyle Pitts would be in play, but, I don't see the Dolphins going down there. I, I actually hope they do. Um, but, you know, in that scenario, maybe you wait till after the draft uh, for to, to extend Gusecki. And I think they probably will wait till after the draft for all these guys. It, it, it's weird when it comes to Pitts and Gusecki because I don't feel like one precludes the other as far as, as signing them, being on the team, utilizing them on the roster. You saw Miami last year with Durham Smythe, who's getting better, Adam Shaheen, who did okay, and, and Gasicki. There, there are ways to have two tight ends coexist, let alone, you know, you've got Pitts who can line up anywhere from the sideline to just outside the tackle. You got Gasicki who, let's face it, he belongs in the slot. Um, and, and you can really, I mean, if you're going to get creative with your offensive coordinator assignment, which is, it, by the way, it's still weird Miami hasn't officially announced it, um, last I checked. But if you're going to get creative with that, I think you can get creative with two damn good tight ends on your roster. Yeah, and I, I don't even qualify really them as tight ends. I, you, you mentioned the word big slot last week, and I think that's exactly the case. I mean, um, Kyle Pitts, I think, would be more likely to block, to stay in line and block, but he would be flexed out often as well. And yeah, so, I mean, Kyle Pitts is one of those rare guys where if he were, if he said, if Kyle Pitts had said, I am a wide receiver, don't call me a tight end. I am a wide receiver. If he, if he said that, which he's not, he would still go in the first round. And, and I don't think I've seen any tight end in the draft in 25 years of watching this that I could say that about. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I would say he's a big slot, but he just he blocks so damn well. Like it's it's not. I mean, he's not going to be the best blocking tight end in the land, but really, he can get he can get in there and be effective and get in people's way. Um, yeah, and, and stay there. And that's a hell of a lot more than we could say for Gasicki in the blocking game. I mean, I I remember what was it the Raiders game on that long touchdown towards the end of the game, and. Uh, I remember we we spotted Gasicki blocking and we both lost our minds because he actually blocked somebody. Like that says something right there. Yeah, and and if your receiving skills are as good as Gasicki's and Kyle Pitts's are, you don't have to be a great blocker. You just have to be able to do it. And I think both of them uh, can do it. Gasicki has improved uh, more and more here uh, over the years. Uh, Pitts already is a, a functional blocker. He, he legitimately lines up in line for the for, for Florida, which makes him even more special. And you can give a lot of different looks here for the offense. But Paul, looking at 
the needs for the Dolphins this offseason, running back and wide receiver. I mean, if, if you were to tell me that the Dolphins hit home runs at those two positions and they've got the money, they've got the draft picks to do it, and that the rest of the team wouldn't change at all, then I think the Dolphins are certainly ready for a playoff run. They are. I mean, it, it's, I think, and just playing with mock drafts, not even really truly playing with free agency, what you can do with this team and this roster and the ways that you can make improvements um, really, really set you up well for that. And one of the things I, I, I want to just say here real quick on that front is when you look at the upcoming draft, I know this is not a popular opinion, uh, I know everybody says we have to go all offense the entire draft, blah, 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 blah. No, it, it, it's this team is built around having a dominant defense. This team is built around having good special teams. And then, yes, we do need to improve the offense, but you cannot and should not ignore the defense in this year's draft. And this is not a pitch for Micah Parsons. I'm like I make it a pit, pitch for Kyle Pitts at that top spot as well. Um, this is more of a pitch for you have to at least surgically add players that can be effective in this defense because there were some big ass holes in this defense last year, despite the fact that they played so well. And if you can add a few extra opportunities for the offense with better field position, guess what? That's just like adding a playmaker on offense in some respects. Defensively, I, I think it's very important to keep that secondary stocked. Um, we saw last year what happened when Byron Jones went down for a couple of games. We saw what happened, too, in the final game against Buffalo when Nick Needham was outmatched by speed in the slot um, by with uh, when Isaiah McKenzie went off. So I, I think it is important. I would not be against the Dolphins drafting um, a defensive back or two, really even in the first three or four rounds. Um, so I – they have the opportunity to go. They're not going to go running back and wide receiver all through the first two rounds. They're, they're going to have opportunities to draft the best available player on defense too. And I think they will come away with a linebacker at a certain point here in the first two rounds of the draft. I do too. And and, and that's why, you know, our, our regular listeners have heard me say it. I know you're probably sick of hearing the name, leave my mouth. Unless something catastrophic comes out with these rumors and stories and what basically right now is hearsay with Micah Parsons. Um, he is probably the biggest difference maker to come out in on defense in the past couple of years, not just this draft, the past couple of years from what more I than Chase, more than chase young. Well, okay. Uh, it's, you know what? Yeah, because he can oh, okay. be effective off the edge but he can also do things at the other two levels. I mean, it's it's very, very close for me. It's a lot okay. closer than you would think. It's Chase, okay, okay. Chase, Chase Young is a dominant edge player. Do not get me wrong. But the things that, that Parsons can do differently and the fact that I still see him being good for improving the Dolphins' defense in that turnover category by at least six turnovers plus from where they were today, not like he's just adding his to replace whatever – whoever's did I see him increasing the Dolphins turnover margin on defense by at least six okay so okay. It's, wow, that's, it's that's that's a lot it's huge it is utterly huge but the way he gets that hand in and tries to separate the ball the fact that they play Josh Allen twice a year which Josh Allen did improve a lot this year but his ball security is utter trash and Micah Parsons is like the Josh Allen eraser which I love I mean not eraser but you know what I mean here it, it's it's Ooh. it's very much a situation where I I want a guy that's going to cause turnovers, wreak havoc in the backfield, come off the edge, play linebackers, stuff the run, and, oh, God, he can cover people too. Uh, he's he's a little raw in coverage, but I, I see no, – and I think that's the knock against him is the position he plays and that he's not very experienced in coverage. But I don't – see it, just because he, he hasn't repeatedly done it, doesn't mean he's going to be unable to do it. There, there's nothing in his instincts or his speed or his length that implies that he's not going to be able to do that. And, and I think he does. Uh, what increases Parsons value is that he can um, um, chase down a Josh Allen in the open field. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, we'll, we, you know, we've got a lot of time to talk about what the Dolphins would do at that top spot. A lot of mock drafts have Parsons dropping a little bit. Um, but 
Let's let's get back to the offense here. At quarterback, we we both agree Ryan Fitzpatrick probably not a good idea that he returns. I, I'd be shocked if he did. I think you're setting up a very dysfunctional environment if he does. Um, so look at it, but they've got to bring in somebody. I I don't think Jake Rudock is gonna is gonna be the Dolphins' backup quarterback this year. Maybe maybe he is. I don't know. But looking at the rest of this list, I mean, I, I think when when you look at the top of these free agent quarterbacks, like. Dak Prescott and uh, Jameis Winston, maybe even Mitchell Trubisky, Cam Newton. I think they're going to be looking to compete for starting jobs somewhere. I'm not saying they'll get it, but I think that they're going to be looking to do that. Then you look past them at, at, at this next group of Tyrod Taylor, Jacoby Brissett, Andy Dalton. That's where I think the Dolphins are going to go for their backup quarterback option. Do you have a preference out of those three guys or maybe anybody else on the free agency list? Um, I mean, I'd be down for Tyrod Taylor. I'd be down for Jacoby Brissett. I don't really see Mitch Trubisky getting a huge starting nod, so he's a possibility for a backup, but I think he's still going to be looking for better money than I want to see Miami pay out. Um, but as far as that goes, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want the Red Rocket. Um, he, he seems like a good dude, but he just, what I saw him last year, it, you might as well just put Christian Wilkins at quarterback and and call it a day because at least he's not going to fumble and maybe he'll drag people a few yards. Yeah, I I I want Andy Dalton actually as the backup out of this group here because uh, first I think with with Dallas the the biggest problem there was they lost literally their entire offensive line and that that killed them. And I'm not saying Andy Dalton's great, but I think he's a sound backup and he's also somebody that's had a lot of success in this league. Um, at that same height that Tua is. You know, I, I, I don't know if I want uh, the Dolphins' backup quarterback this year to have completely the opposite skill set of Tua because if Tua were to leave the lineup, now you got to completely redo your offense from week to week. So I, I would I would stay with uh, Dalton, but I, I'd be fine with Tyrod Taylor or Jacoby Brissett too. I don't want to spend a lot of money in the backup quarterback spot. Mitch Trubisky, if – I'm not a huge fan of, but I, I think he is the best one on this list. And if he said, if he sees an opportunity of, look, hey, maybe I can go to the Dolphins for two years, four or five million a year, which is probably what he would cost. And I see a legitimate opportunity where I can get in the lineup if Tua struggles and, and secure a starting job with a good team. That might work for him. Uh, so that that. That bears keeping an eye on. I think Trubisky is going to land a land a backup role somewhere. Not sure if it's the Dolphins, but somewhere. Yeah, it, it's. I don't know. I I I think saying Dallas's offensive line uh, having issues is kind of a, a simplification. They had a lot of problems. They had a lot of problems, and, and I didn't see Dalton as a solution. Um, that that's that's where I I shy away. It, it's. He's a mediocre quarterback that's enough of a name that is going to cause some just headaches, controversy-wise, that I don't love. I mean, I'd love to see Miami go after one of the three we just talked about in in Taylor. Trubisky, if he's willing and able and, and w- willing to come in on an incentive-laden deal at worst. Um, and draft somebody in the later rounds that you see some potential upside with to challenge Rudock for that third quarterback spot. Right now, with Tua at the helm, while he's developing, I would like to see them have a younger quarterback that may need to develop, as well as that veteran backup. I I could certainly see that. And when I look at the quarterback draft class, and we're both in favor of spending day three picks on developmental quarterbacks, because if you hit on one, man, you've really got it made over the the next couple of years. I don't see one I love here, um, at least at this point. I mean, Kellen Mond, I think, has some physical skills, but he's so up and down, and he's been so up and down for so long that I'm not sure if I can I can trust him. I'm not a fan of Jamie Newman. Um, Ian Book is an interesting backup option, but I, I just don't think he's got the NFL arm. Same for Sam Ellinger. Davis Mills is one that's been interesting through the pre-draft. He only had 18 touchdowns here at, at Stanford in his career. But he's a toolsy guy. I mean, six foot four, 215 pounds. He's got a good arm. He's somebody that that, you know, if we get down into the if if we see him fall maybe into the fourth round, I don't know, maybe a developmental option there. Yeah, I mean, 
I do think there's some promise with Newman. I think there's some promise with Book. And I think there's some promise with Ellinger as well. Uh, but, again, I, I don't want to take a quarterback before round five. Let's let's see who slips. Let's see who slides and see if they're there. And if they are with the right value and there's nobody else that you're over the moon for that slid, I, I'd be willing to, to bring one of those guys in and just kick the tires for a year, get them underneath, you know, Flores' staff, and see what we have there. Don't forget, Flores is going to know these guys a little bit better for a few of them than most folks are going to, especially given the way that the combine is not happening this year. Yeah, that it'll be interesting to see how credible these these uh, workouts are um, on campus. I in a couple of ways. Number one, I, I think we're going to see some guys running a four two forty when they're running really running a four seven. Um, and we have times that are all over the map on that. Um, you've got to have some NFL representatives there. And I think that there will be to make sure that this stays under control. Um, and also I, I just wonder some of these guys who opt out and we had what, 20 or 30 guys opt out for the entire year. I want to see a wide receiver show up to the pro day, at, you know, with a sandwich in hand at 255 pounds. And, and now he goes from a first rounder to undrafted free agent. It and, becomes uh, the best tight end around. Yeah, he he accidentally he accidentally fattens up and <clears throat> uh and, and and moves into the tight end role. But uh, <laughs> uh, where were we here? So um, I, I don't know where that came from. Um, so let's look at the running back spot, Paul. The, the big question at running back is: Are the Dolphins going to get serious about adding a big time player this year, or are they going to say, "No, we're going to fix the we're going to fix the rest of the team," and, and we feel like and, in, in terms of getting somebody, there's enough depth in free agency and depth in the draft to, to get a, a, a good a good guy here. But last year, when you look at the Dolphins waited and waited for a running back, they missed a boat in the draft. They had some good guys taken between 32 and 64 um, in the second round, and they didn't get one of those guys. And then a, a, they went the committee route by giving $3 million to Jordan Howard. They traded a fifth rounder for Matt Breida. Neither player came close to realizing anything here this year. So I I, I don't know. I mean, what, what, what do you think here? Any, I, I know you're a fan of kind of kind of these mid-round running backs here. Say draft it. Draft it all the way. If you can get one of the top four or five guys uh, and then supplement that with one of the next four or five guys, I'm kind of in a good place with it. I mean, there's a lot of guys that I really, really like here. I mean, if you tell me that Miami came away, even with Michael Carter and Trey Sermon, right? Like Michael Carter, standout at the Senior Bowl. And then Trey Sermon, a guy one of our listeners was asking about too. Um, you plug him in from, from Ohio State, and you have them fight it out with Gaskins and Ahmed and, and, and everybody else on this roster, and suddenly – you have a good running back stable and one that I don't worry everybody's going to break down. If you've got Gaskin as the third down back fighting it out with Sermon or Sermon and, and, and Carter fighting for that top spot, I am okay with that. And that's without even getting one of the top guys, which, look, we all love Najee Harris. We all love Travis Etienne. We all love Javante Williams. And But if you can supplement it like that, this is a great position, and this is one that you can – this is a deep running back class in this draft. And, again, it, it's – they're never less expensive than they are on their rookie deal as far as these running backs are going to go. Yeah, I, I agree with some of that. And then on the other part, too, <clears throat> is when you look at all the running backs taken in the second round and what success they had as rookies. And I do think it's a young man's position. Mm -hmm. I mean, Clyde Edwards-Lair, 13 games, had 1,100 total yards, and it seemed like he even was a disappointment. Cam Akers caught fire at the end of the year, and he's going to be a big player moving forward for them. J.K. Dobbins had six yards of carry. Um, Jonathan Taylor was third in the NFL in rushing. Um, and there, there's one guy in there that I'm forgetting, too. A.J. Uh, Dillon. A.J. Dillon. Yeah, shut up about Dillon. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Paul was a big fan of A.J. Dillon here pre-draft, and that's going to be the reason that they move on from Aaron Jones. So – they're able to draft A.J. Dillon in the second round, move on from Aaron Jones. He's going to be a free agent. They're not going to re-sign him. Um, and DeAndre Swift was the other guy. And when he was on the field, he looked like a, a damn good player. So now you look at the running back group here. I 
would like, I, I'm eyeing that 36 pick in the draft and saying, okay, Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, Javante Williams. I feel confident one of those guys, probably most likely Javante Williams or Travis Etienne are going to be there at 36. That That's the one I have pigeonholed there. Yeah, and, and, and I know there's a lot of Dolphins fans that are so worried about the running back position that they're like, we have to take a running back at 18 no matter what. We don't. We don't. And I like Najee Harris. I like Devontae Smith. We don't have to draft everybody that played for Alabama in the history of ever or draft people just because they know Tua. Guess what? Tua starts throwing touchdowns to somebody or handing the ball off to, to get people off his back. He's going to like them too. Two is a likable yeah. guy. He's going to be friends with everybody. That 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 is not something we ever have to worry about when it comes to Tua. Nobody dislikes the guy. Like so, yeah, he likes Najee. Najee likes him. They can hug each other after a game if we miss. But I'm not overdrafting Najee at 18. Period. Okay. Okay. I, I I'm probably not either. Um, it's again, it's tempting to just. Because oh, not not only if you if you draft Najee at eighteen, which I'm not in favor of, if you do, now you've you've got a rookie of the year candidate immediately. In addition to the third overall pick in the draft that you've already taken, um, and to that to that too is it is tempting, and I, I emphasize tempting, to sign Aaron Jones at running back. I'm not I'm not willing to do that. I. I but I will tell you this, and I tweeted this out earlier this week. I would rather sign Aaron Jones for 10 to 12 million a year than waste my time with some of these guys like Le'Veon Bell, uh, even Leonard Fournette, even though he had a good Super Bowl game for 5 million a year. I mean, I, to me, I think that's going down the Jordan Howard path again. It is. And I don't know. I, 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 I'm looking at some of the comments here. And, and M. Black really had a great comment about we're in a bad spot for a running back. 18 is too high for a running back like last year. We might get a run at the end of the blah, blah, blah. But you know what? You're right. 18 is too high. But that is a position where we are in too high of a position to draft the top running back. We're yeah. not in bad position for the number two or three running back on paper in this draft. We yeah. absolutely are not. It, it, it's But going back to, to free agency, it is tempting to look at Aaron Jones. It is tempting to look at Carson it is tempting to look at, you know, Carlos Hyde, who had a little bit of a resurgence here and there. But end of the day, I don't want to pay the money that you're going to have to for some of these guys, or I don't want to pay for question marks anymore like we did this past year. Yeah, and uh, Roy Crosby in the chat uh, mentioned uh, Javante at 50. That's quite possible. I mean, uh, when I look at, at last year, if you would have told me that J.K. Dobbins would have still been available at 50, which I think he went 54th or 55th last year. I just said, you're crazy. Uh, and, and I think Dobbins was a higher rated prospect than Javante Williams, at least at this time. So that, that is quite possible. But if you hold out, hold out, hold out, you may miss the run on running backs again. And now you've still, still haven't resolved the position. And if you, and the thing with Aaron Jones here too, is that if you were to sign him now, You've got a top five running back in the NFL. You've got a top five backup in Miles Gaskin, and you don't have to draft any of them. So now you go into the draft. You don't need a quarterback. You don't need a running back. You could use another offensive lineman, but it's not critical. And then defensively, you're probably already set. Now you can really go best player available. But I still wouldn't sign Aaron Jones. I, I would still go to the draft and really aim at that 36th pick to get one of these top three running backs. And again, Aaron Jones, nothing to shake a stick at over his career. In fact, there are three running backs in NFL history with 650 or more rushes uh, and a higher yards per carry. His yards per carry for his career is 5.16. That's a lot. And the three that, um, that had a higher yards per carry average, Jim Brown, Jamal Charles, and, um, I forget his first name, but he played in the 40s and 50s. His last name was Motley, um, and, and he was a Hall of Fame player, too. So, I, again, Aaron Jones, 25, 26 years old, but he is going to cost 10 to $12 million. I think it's a young man's position. Aaron Jones has had some issues staying healthy, too. Likely, I would go away from him and go to the draft. 
Yeah, I, I'm I'm all in on on doubling down at the position in the draft. It's and there are running backs I like on the free agency list, but unless something drastically changes or somebody shakes free or somebody's looking to trade somebody um, on the cheap, um, I'm just all in on the draft. I I don't even think. I'm not in a camp where I'm going to panic if we miss in the top three because we're still not missing on the running back position by grabbing one of these guys that, that are there from, you know, four through eight. I mean, Michael Carter's a hell of a consolation prize. Ramondre Stevenson, despite a bad senior bowl week, is a hell of a consolation prize. Um, <clears throat> and there are guys like Chuba Hubbard, et cetera, that may have had a little bit of a down um, year this year, but you know what, like, they were guys we were talking about in the conversation last year, and there's a lot of promise. You bet, you bet. And uh, Marion Motley, thank you to our uh, to our people chatting in here. Uh, was the name of the of the running back I was talking. About. See, we have the yep. best. We have the best people in chat. I'll tell you what. Yeah, most of them are okay. That's Shake guy. I don't know. <laughs> Shake. <laughs> I saw Shake say before here, uh, John Avery, uh, which uh, that Ooh. was my that was the first draft I I really watched every pick come off the board. And in that, that year, the Dolphins were picking 19th. Randy Moss falls to 19. The Dolphins trade down and take John Avery at 29, use that third-round pick in the trade down to draft Larry Shannon, who Jimmy Johnson said uh, was just as good as, as as Randy Moss or something to that ex- effect. I can't remember the exact wording. So yeah, not actually, a good yeah. first year. Speaking, speaking of the that. chat, make sure you guys are clicking like. Make sure you guys are subscribing. Um, you know, we really appreciate all the feedback we've been getting as well. If you're not listening live, make sure you get us some comments, thoughts, concerns, questions, all of that. You bet. So, Paul, when I look at these skill positions here, uh, and this is part of the problem, is that you know, Tua needs help, and I don't grade right now the running back, the wide receiver, uh, or the offensive line positions at higher than a C plus. I, I, I don't at this time. This is why that the Dolphins need to pour a lot of resources into these spots and they're going to at wide receiver. There are only two receivers that I would say for sure will be back next year. That's Devonte Parker and Lynn Bowden. Um, now I'm not saying that they're going to clear house with the rest, but you take a look, they all fall into certain categories. Um, uh, Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant are possible cuts. I don't, I hope Grant isn't cut. I, I, I'm in favor of cutting Wilson and saving, you know, what I think we said with three or 4 million. Um, and also too, you've got Mac Collins. That's going to be a free agent may or may not be back. He's a good special teamer kind of blew it at the wide receiver spot, dropped a lot of passes, did catch that legendary pass with Fitzpatrick against the Raiders, but that's about it. And then uh, I don't see Alan Hearns being back. They're going to cut him. I'm sure save $2 million and Isaiah Ford. I don't see him making the roster, but he always seems to come back from the dead somehow. So, um, and then you got Malcolm Perry who will probably be battling at some point. I, I see him making the roster, but probably more as like a fifth or sixth guy. So yeah, they, they have, and, and this is why it's good for the dolphins. They have the money, they have the draft picks and it is deep, 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 deep at free agency and the draft here. It really is. I I'm not as huge on, you know, tearing apart the top of free agency as, as some folks are. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I there's not a guy in the top four that I, I don't like. I I want nothing to do with Juju Smith Schuster. I'm gonna say that right now. Um, but I mean, it, it's there are a number of talented players on this roster. The way Miami looks, I wouldn't be shocked if they look to grab maybe a mi- a middle free agent wide receiver with upside, as opposed to like tearing apart the top of the position. And I really think that despite the fact I wouldn't burn a pick for the one of the top three um, unless somebody slides, I think this is such a deep draft at the wide receiver position. I, the majority of my attempt to fix it would be there. I wouldn't be cutting anybody before the draft. I really wouldn't. I would keep way too many wide receivers on that 90-man roster to go into camp with pretty much everybody that's signed right now um, you know, may, maybe get rid of a couple of the, the bottom end guys you know you're not keeping. But, you know, draft three guys. And, you know, like you could easily come away from this draft while supplementing other positions with a Kadarius Tony, uh, a Tutu Atwell, 
and you know a, a Marquez Stevenson. Like it, yeah, it, and you still supplement the other positions of need. So it, it's a no brainer for me. And then you have these guys compete. You try to trade who you can. Grab a late round pick if you can get a seventh for Isaiah Ford. You could probably get at least a a conditional sixth or fifth for some of these other guys. Yeah, and you look at the success here of of wide receivers drafted in the second and third round over the last few years. I mean, you've got you know just just going down. You can just go down the list here. I mean, you've got AJ Brown, uh, DK Metcalf, Deontay Johnson, Terry McLaurin. Um, go to the next year. You've got Michael Gallup, DJ Chark. Uh, the, the year after that, you, you know, Cooper cup, uh, Juju Smith Schuster, who still, I mean, as a late second round pick, he's obviously been a steal at that spot still, but I am with you on that too. I, I don't want any part of Smith Schuster. Um, it's, it's not, I mean, I think he's a decent player, but that's the point. He's a decent player. He's a, he's a under underneath slot receiver and he averaged what eight and a half yards of catch this year and he dropped a lot of them too and and he, you know he, he got it from a drop a pass running his mouth I mean <laughs> I'm not a big fan of him and yeah he's 24 years old or he's 23 turn gonna be 24 I believe here but I don't see him improving he's not gonna get faster I mean and so I, I look at some of these receivers hitting the market. Uh, Curtis Samuel is the one I really want because Curtis Samuel, 24 years old, fast, can separate. He's exactly what the Dolphins need to complement the skills of Devontae Parker and Mike Kosicki. Um, Chris Godwin is somebody I would like to. And there's a lot of talk that he's going to get franchised. I actually don't think he will because the Bucks have a lot of players to resign uh, here. And, you know, I, I think – keeping that defense with Shaq Barrett and Levante David and Dominic and Sue, who are all free agents is more important than Chris Godwin. So he may hit the market too. And, you know, I'm okay. You look at these top seven receivers hitting the free agency, Godwin, Samuel, Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, Corey Davis, Juju, Will Fuller. I think out of those top five of Robinson, Godwin, Samuel, Galladay, and and Corey Davis, you got to get one of them. Because it, it, it lessens your needs heading into the draft. See, and, and I don't think you have to. Um, for me, one of the things, and I know we're about to talk about the tight end position, but somebody just brought up Kyle Pitts in chat, and I'm going to bring it up again. I know we talked about it at the start of the show. Drafting a Kyle Pitts is something that improves your wide receiver position because you are probably on any given down – going to be splitting out either Gesicki or Pitts into either the slot um, out on the boundary or elsewhere. So you have to factor in that that improves your wide receiver position by creating mismatches out there that other defenses have to account for and don't necessarily know where they're coming from either on any given play. So, you know, and, and looking at just how deep this draft is at wide receiver, I think that as the season wears on and, and and these guys get better and more comfortable at the NFL level and Tua gets a comfort level with them, I am okay with that. I, I want to see a set of wide receivers that grows and changes with Tua, not comes in and, and takes $80 million worth of cap over the next four years. Um, I think that Curtis Samuel is somebody I'd be willing to I don't think – I don't think he'll – I mean, I think he'll be 15, 16 million a year, probably, yeah. which seems a lot, but he had a combined almost 1,100 rushing and receiving yards this past year, and he's getting better and better and better as a receiver, and you can get creative with him. Um, and if you sign Curtis Samuel, you're probably cutting Jakeem Grant because his Curtis Samuel is a great returner too. So that's that also saves, you know, gets another 4 million off the books, even though you're paying Samuel 15 million a year. So, but I, I see a real opportunity to, you know, say at the end of the draft and free agency that our top four receivers are, for example, Devontae Parker, um, uh, uh, Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase, Mike Kosicki, and Curtis Samuel. And if those are your four options, top four options for Tua, now he really has what he needs moving forward 
uh, to, to, to be that franchise quarterback. Yeah. And I, I would say the same though, for me, if it's Devonte Parker, Tutu Atwell, Kadarius, Tony, and Mike Kosicki out on the, on the edge with, with Pitts in, in, in tight, like it, it's, I, and, and you've got Jakeem Grant behind or, you know, to, to mix in there. It, it, it's, you know, I don't have a huge issue with, with, with that lineup either because of the mismatches it creates that make up for some of the fact that maybe you didn't get a top top of the heap guy, but you've cr- created mismatches with the guys that you've got. Yeah, it's certainly deep here at, in the draft, and we'll take a deep dive in that as we continue to go along because yeah, Dane Brugler, one of my favorite draft analysts for The Athletic, he created his top 100 board, and I think he had 17 wide receivers in the top hundred. And that's been pretty typical year by year. There's been so much deep talent that's come out. Yeah. I mean, even past Jamar chase, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle, a lot of receivers I like in the back end of the first round, Rashad Bateman, I think is very similar to Justin Jefferson last year with how he's six foot two can separate very easily. Um, I think he's, he's a receiver that's been successful here in the NFL. Great route runner too. Kadarius Tony can do some unbelievable things with the ball in his hand that, that you don't see very often. And one of my favorite players, Elijah Moore from Mississippi, uh, had almost 1200 yards this year, but I think he, his ability to run routes and separate, he, he looks a lot. He looks a lot like Isaac Bruce to me. And that th- those are heavy words, but his, he's, he could separate really well. And then you get to the middle rounds, you know, Shai Smith, Demetric Felton, um, Nico Collins, Dwayne Eskridge, a lot of players that I like here too. So maybe you can double down there. And, and the reason I I'm talking about wide receiver and free agency and spending that money is because that's where like all the talent is almost, <laughs> you know, you've got, but if you took the top 10 free agents, six of them are probably wide receivers. They are, but you know what? <clears throat> that's also where the talent is in the draft right now too. And, and you know, it's uh, there's so many guys in the mid to late rounds that I, I love in this draft. I know you mentioned a few of them, but I mean, like guys like Jalen Darden, Marquez Smith, Amari Rogers, Josh Palmer, uh, Trayvon Grimes. Which God, the, like I'm not a Florida fan, but you know what? They're they receivers last year. Whew. Um, You know, Frank Darby. I mean, it, it's you can list off a number of these guys that are just ridiculously impressive. And Dwayne, I, I don't even know if you mentioned Dwayne Eskridge, who I know we both love. Like, it, it's like, yeah, it's it's insane to me. And the way some of these guys are going to slide just because of the fact that there are so many available in free agency, which the depth in the draft should drive some of those prices down other than the top three or four. Um, and and <clears throat> I don't know. I, I, I think that this is a position that Miami could really fill and fill well. I like I said, I'd even triple down just because of the depth at wide receiver this year. Yeah. And the other question, too, is if you draft a wide receiver in the middle round, you really need to be sure that we're not just throwing another one onto the pile because mm-hmm. uh, Devontae Parker and Lynn Bowden will be back. We know that. But, you know, Jakeem Grant will probably be back. And Preston Williams is coming off another injury. Uh, but he, he, the Dolphins aren't just going to cut him. Um, Albert Wilson may or may not be back. So, like we can't have nine wide receivers here and okay. Now our seventh and eighth receivers are making four and $5 million. Some of these guys are going to get, are going to get axed, but oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh so, so they, they've really got to make sure that they're using the resources properly. I'm going to go hunger games at the position. If it's me, let's fix this. <laughs> uh, you know, you know, may the odds be ever in your favor. You know, only, only the strong survive. We'll, we'll yeah. see. We'll see who's here September 1st. All right. Well, I, I <laughs> And Isaiah Ford is uh is 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 cut out for that. He always seems to to come back from the dead somehow. So yeah, uh, I'll we'll, tell you what, we'll, we'll trade him for something and then sign him back. We're good. Yeah, he's <laughs> if we traded him to the to the Patriots, he was still a Dolphin six weeks later. Phenomenal. <laughs> um, yeah, but I'll tell you if, if I, I look at. I look at Isaiah Ford the way I looked at uh, Bakari Rambo a few years ago at defensive back. Uh, that. Ooh. If he is your start, if he is getting playing 50 snaps again late in the season, something went wrong. Uh, so, <laughs> um, yeah, you counted on Preston Williams to stay healthy. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I, Preston Williams might might be in a in a position where look, hey, we're going to put you in the back end of the depth chart. 
you're going to be kind of that Swiss Army knife for 10, 15 plays a game. Get yourself healthy. Uh, we're, we're not going to have you as a 50 to 60 snap guy because you tore his ACL two years ago, had a foot injury last year on IR both years. So, um, Paul, looking at tight end now here, and I'm going to make it really easy. Um, the Dolphins either draft Kyle Pitts. Um, I, I, I don't see them going that route third overall, to be honest with you. But if they were to trade down and, you know, into that, if, uh, uh, trading down to number eight with the Panthers is something that's being mocked like crazy and predicted like crazy. Um, if that if that were the case, I would love it. Uh, I think Kyle, Kyle Pitts is a special player. He makes looking great look effortless. And, and that's what I think is an underrated thing coming out of college. Um, but I'll make it easy. It's either Kyle Pitts or I'm ignoring the position completely because they have Mike Kosicki, Durham Smythe, and Adam Shaheen as their three tight ends. I'm not going to say ignore it completely. Um, but, again, it, it's if you don't get Kyle Pitts, and if you get Kyle Pitts, you, you better ignore it the rest of the way. There's no reason to double down this year like you did a few years ago. Um, but if you don't get Kyle Pitts and, say, Pat Fryermuth slides to the late second early third if you don't get Kyle Pitts and Brevin Jordan's sitting there in the fourth um or you get to the fifth round and Kenny Yaboa and Trey McKitty are sitting there I'd consider those because I do think that there's some upside especially with a guy like Yaboa um Yaboa has the ability but we need to see a little more consistent effort from yeah, he, he's a toolsy guy, that's for sure. Um, and one name, too, in the, you know, if we get down into the sixth round where the Dolphins have a pick, uh, Tony Poljan from Virginia was actually a transfer from Central Michigan. And his offensive coordinator at Central Michigan was Charlie Fry. He was the Dolphins' new quarterback coach. So there is a connection there. Maybe that's something that 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 gets done in the later rounds. There is that connection. Um, so, But now, finally, offensive line. And this is... This is where I think most of the disagreement happens with Dolphins fans. I mean, I think we all know that we should get a running back, get some receivers, et cetera. The major question is, do the Dolphins add another player uh, at the tackle or guard spot or center? Or do they say, you know what? This offensive line started three rookies last year, and we're counting on improvement from them to take this position from, let's say, a C-plus to a B-plus. Because uh, and then we resigned Ted Karras and Eric Flowers is good enough. So, what what is what, what route would you go here in, in the draft and free agency, Paul? I, God, I I'm not one of those people that's drooling at the idea of, you know, we have to go out and get a tackle. And I'm not just talking about the Penny Sewell crowd. Uh, you know, there are people that are literally, you know, throwing every possible top name tackle our way. I got news for you. Those guys were starters last year. I like what you just said about counting on improvement. I thought Robert Hunt showed a lot of promise. I really did. And Austin Jackson showed a lot more promise than I expected to see from him. I mean, it's if the right guy is there at the right price, sure. I wouldn't mind adding a guard um, to to challenge Flowers. We all know how I feel about Big 66 and his long-term potential. Um and really, I'd re-sign Ted Karras, but that doesn't preclude me from drafting a center. Center seems to be the position I keep coming back to, um, given the fact that guys like Josh Myers should be there a little bit later on on day, you know, into day three. Creed Humphrey should be there on day two potentially, um, you know. And, and there's a handful of other guys at that position that just don't seem to be getting valued this year. Um, and, and Quinn Miners, if Quinn Miners is there and ready to go, I would definitely run up to the podium, um, you know, at, at the top of round three and top at back end of round two. Gotcha. That was my question is where would you take Miners? And yeah, I, you look at pick 50 or 82. Uh, so second, third round. Yeah. I, I would love if he were still there. What's tempting is on the same team is as, as Aaron Jones is, is Corey Lindsley, uh, this, the center for the Packers, but, It'd be interesting to see what he costs because I'm not paying Lindsley money. Yeah, he's. Gonna, I think he's going to rob the bank. Uh, but he's thirty, and that that's why he may not cost as much as you think. If you're telling me that that 
you're talking about seven or eight million a year for, for Lindsley. I don't know. I might consider it because I think he's a top. I think you could take one of the top. You could have one of the top five centers in the league, but I think he'd probably cost more than that. And at which point I'd be out. Uh, Ted Karras, I think, did well enough. He's not a great athlete. If the Dolphins are looking to get more athletic on their offensive line, I think Karras and Flowers may be a problem moving forward. Um, but they're good enough for now and they're good enough pass protectors for now. So Ted Karras, one one year, three million last year. And I think he proved that he's a decent player. I would certainly like to have him back unless they said we really got to got to go the Corey Lindsley route here, which I don't think they will for, for the center spot. Um, it, but Paul, too, you know, you mentioned said it's not a real deep draft at center. Um, you know, you've got especially if like yourself, you don't like Landon Dickerson and you don't want him being the guy. Um, I, I like Landon Dickerson. I just can't draft a, a, a center, let alone draft him high, that has that many leg issues. Like it, it's just we saw what happened with Pouncey. He's gonna have, he's gonna make the All Pro team, and he's gonna accept the award on crutches most years. <laughs> um, if you, if you got down to the fourth round with Landon Dickerson, I would certainly take him because yeah. um, just him. I like him more. He would be my number one center in the draft, if not for injuries. Um, but yeah, I, I, Creed Humphrey, I think, you know, taking him at the end of the second round, I would certainly do. But I, I'm not as gaga over him as as some some other people are because I've seen him get struggle too much with with bigger defensive tackles to for me to feel confident. I think you may have the Tim Ruddy problem where, yeah, he's a good center. Yeah, he's a good pro. But every time we go up against a giant nose tackle, he gets shoved back into the quarterback. Uh, so I, I, I don't want there to be that. Same. I'm not saying Humphrey's not quite like Ruddy was in that, but I've seen him. I, I've seen him get knocked back against bigger people. Plain yeah. and simple. But I've also seen him maul people more than than I've ever seen from Ruddy. Yeah, Ruddy certainly didn't maul people. Uh, no. um, yeah, Josh Myers, I'm not a huge fan of. I, I, I think he gets uh, out over his toes a lot in, in pass protection and – I'm not sure if he has enough core strength to really hold up. Um, I, I'm not, I mean, day three, maybe, but I, I, I'm not a huge fan other, otherwise. Um, but, but let's, let's talk about the main thing. And that is obviously the guy that's being mocked a lot to the dolphins at three and that's Panay Sewell. And I am still of the opinion as we sit here today, I want two things, one of two things to happen. The dolphins draft Penny Sewell or they trade down and get a first round pick in next year's draft and then take the best available pass catcher. Anything other than that, I, I would have a hard time. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't see that happening other than those two options right now. Um, well, we'll Parsons, see. Parsons has good hands, so we're good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Look, I've seen Parsons. I've seen Parsons on mock to the dolphins at uh, number 18 overall in some of these mock drafts. Yeah, I think that's people that are banking a little too much on somebody. Even if things, unless things get catastrophic with 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 the off field, and I mean truly catastrophic, somebody's gonna take a flyer on him before eighteen. Like it's just the talent is too great, unless the legal issues are too much. Um, well, he's not. He doesn't have any legal issues right now. He just no. has some some character. He. he he was supposedly the ringleader in a hazing incident at, at Penn State, hey, and I—I I don't know Peyton the details Manning of that. Look, look, look what Peyton Manning did for you know with with a female reporter, I believe it was, or a ball girl, or whatever. I mean, yeah, there were there were allegations of that as well, yeah. uh, and you know, so it, it, I'm sorry, but I, I'm not going down the road of, and I know you don't want to either of uh, how bad this was. Was it true? Was it not true? Look, I. As it as in terms of evaluating a prospect, the Dolphins have to figure out: is this a pattern with this guy, or is it not? And if it is, then that's a problem. If it's not, if it's just immaturity, he's he was a teenager when that happened, et cetera, et cetera. And then then that's that's a different story because a lot of these times you look at uh, like the immaturity with, for example, like Darius Geis mm -hmm. when he when he was at LSU and supposedly he did some horrific things. We've learned uh, after he's left the league. Yeah, it, when when things go off the rails, it's like, how did you not see that? But yeah. then if you pass up on a player because of a couple of immature incidents and then, okay, well, he grew up into a man uh, in the NFL, how, how, how'd you pass over him? So I think a lot of it's revisionist history, too.
Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, I, with him not even being a truly named person in a lot of these allegations, it, it, it makes it harder. Um, you know, it, it's, again, there's a lot to shake out and a lot of runway between now and the draft. Uh, but it, it's, I like Penny Sewell one hell of a lot. I'm not disagreeing with you on that. I just think you could utilize that pick to trade down and get a haul. And I mean a haul um, that really allows you to still take a top player at their position um, in, you know, Micah Parsons or Kyle Pitts or potentially one of the top three wide receivers. I won't rule it out. Uh, while also adding enough draft capital to be stupid silly. So yeah. I still look, I look at that Panthers spot at, at eight and they look very, very determined to get a quarterback. And if they stay at eight, they're probably going to miss the boat on, on who they want. So that's why I think they're, they are the ideal trade-up option there. And um, so Dane, Dane Brugler predicted the Dolphins to move from three to eight with the Panthers and they, the Dolphins would get the eighth pick a first rounder next year and a third and a fifth this year. Todd McShay predicted the same fallback from three to eight with the Dolphins getting a second rounder this year, which would be, I think 39th overall and a first rounder next year. So, and, and in that, those scenarios, they had the Dolphins taking Devonte Smith and or, J, or Devonte Smith or Jalen Waddle. So, that that is an enticing route there, and also you're getting the first round pick of a team that's going to be starting a rookie quarterback next year. So, Kat, somebody just brought something up in chat that I want to bounce off of you. Normally, not something I would think about, and I don't really see it happening. But I want to get your thoughts. Yep. You, you talk about the Panthers pick. Would you, if it were you and you were the GM, and they offered you their pick at eight? and Christian McCaffrey to come up to three? Yay or nay? Uh, I'd say nay, only because McCaffrey's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. And I think, too, that you – I mean, he's got he's, – he has he's had a lot of touches uh, over his first – what, he's drafted in 2017, I believe. Um, so 17, 18, 19, 20. This will be his fifth year in the league. He's coming off an injury-riddled season. The major reason is he's going to cost a lot of money. And I don't want to – have somebody like that and and where you really have to build your offense around dumping the ball off. I mean, it's going to be kind of the Jarvis Landry syndrome there. It is. And I figured I'd just double check with you, see what your thoughts are. And by the way, I'm going to throw this out there again, guys, make sure you're liking, subscribing, giving us all the comments and feedback in the world. We're, we're, we're loving what we're seeing from you guys so far this off season. So thank yeah, you. Guys. You bet. Uh, thank you everybody. Uh, and finally, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll leave you with this here is the reason if I either want to trade down or I want Penny Sewell is if they were to draft Penny Sewell to co to combine with their three rookies from last year, Austin Jackson, Robert Hunt, and Solomon Kinley, you're going to have a core group of maulers for the next under contract and under 25 years old for the next three years. And it's not just about getting a tackle. It's about getting Sewell. Okay, I, I think this is a unbelievable prospect who he when he was on the field at 17 and 18 years old, protecting one of the biggest assets in college football and Justin Herbert for Oregon. He allowed one sack in two years, six foot six, 330 pounds, and is probably going to run under four nine. Um, this this guy got Heisman Trophy votes as an 18 year old. Uh, so it, to me, he is he is one of the best players in the draft. And it is he, he's a player that I think you have a rare opportunity to draft anywhere in the NFL draft. So, and I just want to chime in there too, Cat. I mean, for me, it's it's I'm not arguing one bit on, on Sewell, but with him being a luxury pick and potentially being able to trade down, um, it, it's for me, it's about is it Sewell or is it Pitts? with you know um maybe a uh, rashad bateman and you know a, a possible first rounder next year um you know it, it's which to me at that point is is, is a no-brainer um you know it, it's two or three really talented players or one and 
you know, I, I just that that that's where I get in with 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 the Sewell thing, and he really with anybody at pick number three. Yeah, where I'd be a little underwhelmed if is if the Dolphins just stood at three and took a Devonte Smith or a Jalen Waddle. I don't think Waddle goes that high. He's you know because he's under five foot ten. That would be unheard of. Um, but he, yeah, that that's where I would be underwhelmed. But yeah. um. Yeah, it's there are not a lot of scenarios where I, I I'd be upset with anything the Dolphins did at three. And part of it is because up until the final two weeks, I I thought the Dolphins would be drafting somewhere between eight and thirteen with that Texans pick, and they Texans ended up losing their last what four games. Dolphins get the third pick in the draft, so that will do it here. Um, well, actually, before I we wrap up here, anything else jump out from the chat? Um, I'm gonna take a look at that, but real quick, Cat, what are your thoughts on JJ Watt? Yeah. Uh, overall, I would pass. Um, I still think he's a good player. It, it's tempting if it's for the right price. I mean, I if it were a contract, let's say two years, 18 million, and let's say the first year it's all guaranteed 10 million, and then you can cut him after the first year if he's too far gone. I might be, in, I might be okay with that. I think he would, he'd give them a mountainous defensive front. And if, if he feels the Dolphins are, are possible Super Bowl contenders, if they add him, you never know. Um, but I see him more likely going to either Indianapolis or Green Bay because they've they've got a need at those those spots, and they they you know they they should be in the play the contention for the playoffs too. Um, if if Watt were a few years younger, I think he'd still be in Houston, and maybe the Dolphins, but but the Dolphins would probably be a little more interested. Him being 32 next month, that that's, I think, what might end the conversation. Yeah, I'd flirt with the idea. If he wants to come in at the right price, he can improve this defense. That That's the big thing for me is if you're at the right price and you can improve the defense, I will mull it. I mean, he's definitely going to be a rotational player, but he's going to be a dominant rotational player if he can stay healthy. Um, that's the biggest key is can he stay healthy, and, and that's part of why – I want to see the right price because one of the things I like with Watt too isn't just the health aspect; it's the attitude, um, it's the approach, it's the maturity, it's the leadership, and he's got all of those characteristics that Flores just you know eats up and loves and, and wants in spades. So mm. that's where I think it's a little more realistic possibility than people think. I think Watt wants to go to a contender, which I feel Miami is right in that conversation. Um, and I think it could potentially happen. You know, another thing too that comes into play is that you're you're already spending eighteen million dollars this year on Agba and Lawson, and to me they're worth the money. But now, if you want to add on another ten million to that, and you're talking about like almost thirty million dollars to your defensive ends, I think that's a lot for a three man veteran rotation. Um, so that's that's another reason overall why I'd pass. But the other side to that, too, is if the Dolphins defense is going to be elite and you could make a point that they're they're up there now, it's going to be in the next two years. And J.J. Watt could be part of that. That's 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 what would be tantalizing about that. But overall, I see them passing. Um, another name I've seen mentioned in the chat here is uh, Taylor Moton. Uh, for the for the Panthers, he's an offensive tackle that I think will be back with them because basically he's the only good player on their offensive line right now, and their whole offensive line is either bad or a free agent without him. Um, I would overall pass just because of the amount of money he's going to get. I think he'll get 15, 16 million a year. He's a good right tackle, and but I I can't say for sure that Robert Hunt won't be as good as him. Uh, throughout his NFL career. And then if you do that, you're going to take Robert Hunt and you're going to slide him into right guard. So now you're taking Hunt after a promising rookie year. He's been a tackle, you know, for the last few years in college football and with the Dolphins. And now you're going to have him move to positions for a good right tackle. I wouldn't spend money on that. So I, I would pass on Taylor Moton. Yeah, I, I would too. Um, for me, it's got to be something that's definitively better than the upside. And I don't, I just don't see it there. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, outside of that, do, 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 let's see what we got here. Uh, and while you're looking at that, Ryan Ramchek, uh, I don't know if he'll be available, but that would be another player like with Penny Sewell. I would make an exception for because look, I'm if they go into the season 
with the same offensive line we've been talking about. Jackson, Flowers, Karras resigned, um, Solomon Kinley and Robert Hunt. If, if you can get improvement from them, then I think that that could be that this unit could go from a C plus to a B. Um, if you, if, if we add another lineman for a high price or a high draft pick, they have to take this group to an A. And I think Ramchick could do that. I think Penny Sewell could do that. I don't necessarily know if Taylor Moton would be the one, one to take them to that next level. So Ramchick, the, the only reason I mention him is because he's due $11 million and the, the Saints are $99 million over the cap here this coming year. They're going to be cleaning a lot of house with, and releasing and trading a lot of players. Yeah, they are. And, and not a lot jumping out in the chat. Um, one thing I do want to mention, too, one, one guard that intrigues me in this draft uh, – is Tommy Kramer from Notre Dame. I think he's somebody that in a later round could come in and do some special things. But again, it's we'll see. I think adding a guard is probably the better option than a tackle in this draft. Yeah, I, I think the opposite. I, I, I like uh, uh, having a tackle, and if that guy becomes a good player, and there's it's deep at tackle too, then now you have the flexibility to kick Robert Hunt inside and, and do it with a player that's not costing you a lot of money at that other tackle spot. So, um, yeah, we'll see. It's uh, It'll be interesting. There are a lot of options. It's going to be a fun offseason here, Paul. Uh, that's going to do it for our breakdown of the Dolphins offense. I'm Brian Cat NFL. Paul is fanatic underscore pick on Twitter. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fin side. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.